Hey friends, I am so excited for today's episode. I am interviewing my friend Cecilia who lives on an island near the North Pole called Svalbard. And they have thousands of polar bears and miniature reindeer and walruses and seals and whales. And they live in a cabin without running water. Her work is enchanting. If you have watched her on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram, you already know what I'm talking about. So let's dive in to our conversation about what it is like to live on a polar island. I'm Sharon McMahon. And welcome to the Sharon Says So podcast. Cecilia! Hey! <laughs> you're here. And we Thank are, you for having me. Oh my gosh. We are talking far across the ocean. We are so far away from each other, but I feel like being up here, I'm far away from absolutely everybody. <laughs> That's true. Where are you that you are so far away? I am on Svalbard, which is an island close to the North Pole, but it's actually an archipelago, if I'm going to be completely correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the island that I'm on is Spitsbergen. So it is like a Norwegian island in the Arctic. And I've lived here now for almost six years now in November. It's Mm -hmm. pretty crazy. It is crazy. We have polar bears here. You have lots of polar bears. We do have lots of polar bears. And you make absolutely enchanting videos (laughs) about what it's like to live on Svalbard and about your life on Svalbard. You're just delightful to watch. It's so entertaining and educational. And I think that's what I love the most about it is I love to learn while I'm being entertained. (laughs) I think that's why I also love making these videos because just telling my everyday life kind of gives you an education about what life is in the Arctic. Because I'm just like a normal, regular person living in this crazy world up here. You know, Mm -hmm. I live in my cabin. We don't have any running water. Me, my boyfriend and my dog live here and we live like pretty normal lives, except I have to wear a gun when I go on my dog walk, you know, (laughs) and I'd say that is pretty, you know, different from any other (laughs) sort of dog walk. And I just love showing people the life that we have up here because it is so special and it's just so different. It absolutely is. It's truly fascinating. It feels like, dang, that is the last frontier, but it really does seem like a different world. Yeah. I think also what is so different here is that we have this little metropolitan city, you know, because it is so small, but we can't go anywhere else, you know? So everything is in this village of Longyearbyen. So you will step in and you will feel like it's almost like a resort town. So it's mm-hmm. not maybe like in Alaska where you can go for miles on a road yes. and you'll never see anything. We can only drive within the village. Like we don't have any <laughs> roads <laughs> out of here. Yes. <laughs> so when you step foot in Longyearbyen, you walk straight into this little community with a lot of different people and a lot of amenities. And, you know, we have hotels, bars, restaurants. So it's like a different life and very modern even though we live in this place where we go to cabins that are completely remote and we carry guns because of the polar bears it's just such a mix of everything it's so fascinating okay a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. 
You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So we have talked a number of times on my Instagram, just doing lives because I absolutely love you. And I know that my audience <laughs> loves following you too. First of all, people like to ask, are you guys related? But we are like lost soul. Like, <laughs> that is true. You know, we did like, meet each other. some connection. Yes. We're not related, but it was one of those things where as soon as we met each other, we instantly clicked. Um, so no, this is not like my cousin that lives in the Arctic. <laughs> but, but when I first encountered your videos, I immediately just like did a huge deep dive into like watching all of your content. And then I reached out to you and we've talked many times about the fascinating aspects yeah. of your life, but how did you even get to live on an <laughs> island in the Arctic? The great adventure. <laughs> the weird right. thing is like, there's not even this massive story behind it. Cause I'm kind of one of those people. I will join people on their adventures in a heartbeat. So mm. my boyfriend at the time, he got a job up here and I had never even heard about Svalbard six years ago. I'd never heard the name. I didn't know this Island existed when he was like, yeah, I've got a job opportunity on Svalbard. I'm like, you have to go. This sounds amazing. Had no <laughs> idea what it entailed. Mm-hmm. He's like, I think they have polar bears. I'm like, sounds exciting. Go. <laughs> I was thinking if he just goes and he likes it, I'll join straight away because I had a job and, you know, had to figure everything out. And then I just joined him because he said it was a cool place. So I thought, you know, I'm going to be here and work for a few months. Mm-hmm. We're planning to stay maybe for three months or so. Mm-hmm. And I just step off the plane in the middle of the polar night in November. So you see nothing. It's 24 hours of darkness every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is so magical. I fell in love straight away. The first night with a moonshine, like where you can actually see stuff. I saw mm-hmm. the mountains and the ocean. It took mm-hmm. me like two weeks before I could see where I was, you know, mm-hmm. I just fell in love with the place. I fell out of love with my boyfriend. So <laughs> we broke up <laughs> after a while and Longyearbyen took my heart instead. Aww. So after that, I just stayed, you know, and just something about this place. It keeps you here. It's mm. like a love letter, you know, you, you cannot leave. It's too beautiful. Mm. And people also want to know, where did you live before you moved to Svalbard? So before this, I moved from Gothenburg, but I kind of grew up living in Ireland for a few years. So you'll hear a hint of Irish. I actually usually had like a super thick Irish accent, but it faded over the years. So sad. 
I moved around and I've lived in Australia and England. I was in Ireland again and I just kind of moved around. But I was in Sweden at that time and I just felt like this is not where I want to live. So a new adventure was exactly what I wanted. So I was mm. like, yes, let's go to Svalbard. To the polar bears <laughs> we go. <laughs> yes. You already mentioned that you have polar night for yes. months at a time. I know it's autumn on Svalbard right now. When yeah. will the sun set for the last time? It will set at the end of October. And then we will have, you know, civil twilight Mm-hmm. before it goes completely black because it will go like six degrees below the horizon so you will have this faint light mm-hmm. and then at the beginning of November you will have no light whatsoever so it's going to be the darkest of night skies out mm-hmm. 24-7 all mm-hmm. day for two and a half months and it's favorite <laughs> time of year isn't that crazy I know you mentioned that you love it and that you I love it nice. more than the 24 hours of daylight that you have in the uh, summertime the midnight sun is torture and I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding I feel like I'm going insane even now I'm like it's so bright all the time for four mm-hmm. months you have endless sunshine and daylight it just does something to you where your body just at the end it kind of goes crazy because you all you want is something to shut off the light and you can't Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) so the polar night for me is just the most amazing time of year you know being in this cabin you can step outside to go on a dog walk and there's the northern lights just all over the sky Mm -hmm. and it's so peaceful it's so quiet and I kind of feel like it's the time of year when I can just rejuvenate you know what I mean Mm -hmm, like I mm -hmm. charge all my batteries and relax in a completely different way than I've done Mm -hmm. at any other season it makes sense though that your body's circadian rhythm is in large part guided by the amount of available light you start pumping out hormones to like make you feel sleepy when it Mm -hmm. gets dark outside and if you never have those cues your body is never like oh, it's time to wind down. Then you're resorting to these artificial methods of trying to trick your body into getting sleepy, having a normal rest cycle. So I can see how after a few months of that, you might feel like, I need a nap. I'm like exhausted because your body is ready to go at all times of the day. But during the polar night, it's more kind of like you work on getting energized. And that is for me so much easier. You know, Mm. I go to the gym. I make sure I eat a lot of vegetables. I enjoy my days in a complete different way. While Mm. during the like midnight sun season, I can get over exhausted Mm -hmm. by the sunlight that never leaves. So Mm -hmm. you're like, you're trying to get out of it instead of trying in the polar night to get energized. Yes. So I just absolutely love the polar night. It's Mm. beautiful. And it also Mm. feels like I'm part of a secret. That's really Mm. weird. I thought about it the other day because it's something like nobody really experiences. So it's like you're in this special part of the world with your weird darkness and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to enjoy it, you know, because nobody else can. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Not a lot of other places. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do? When it is dark for two and a half months, do you have a really regimented schedule where you're like, my alarm goes off every morning at six and you keep that schedule in order to keep yourself on a normal sleep cycle or how does it work for you? I definitely have to have my wake up light. So it will wake you with a sunrise in your room. And that helps a lot. Your body will wake up like normally, you know? Mm -hmm. 
to the sunlight, even though there is no sunlight, <laughs> we're gonna walk out to darkness. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I've never gotten up at 6 a.m. like on my own ever in my life. I, <laughs> I, I'll tell you a secret. I am terrible at getting up in the morning. Like mm. the worst. I will sleep till three. <laughs> you like will? a teenager. Yes. If, like if nobody wakes me, I won't wake. <laughs> so I put like 14 alarms. I snooze. I hide it in the kitchen. So I have to get out of bed. But yeah, definitely during the polar night, I will be strict about it because there is no waking up when there's no light. <laughs> Nothing will tell me. That's right. That's right. You're just sleeping beauty. It will be a week and I'll be like, what? <laughs> What is happening? Did I even wake up to go to the bathroom? (laughs) Did I get up in November? I don't know. (laughs) Speaking of bathrooms, you don't have any running water at your cabin. Okay. So just in case people have not listened to our Instagram lives, there is a village on Svalbard, Longyearbyen. Is that right? Yeah, almost. And then you live in a cabin that you just finished yes. putting an addition onto, you live in a cabin a little ways outside of town. Yeah. And at your cabin, there is electricity. Yes. But there is not indoor plumbing because there's yeah. no running water. Exactly. In the American <laughs> mind, we think that there would be an outhouse, no. which there is not. There is no, not that an outhouse. Would be absolutely freezing. And there's Terrifying. polar bears. What are you going to take a gun to the outhouse? To, to when we're in cabins, when we're on remote cabins, that's exactly what we do. You go, you sit down with your rifle in front of you, <laughs> but not at home. You know, we're not brute. No, not that's in our too house. much. That's too that's much. Too much. <laughs> Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. We've all had those embarrassing moments where maybe you've taken your shoes off and you realize like, oh no, oh no, that is not a good smell. Fortunately, Lumi whole body deodorant is making it so none of us ever have to worry about that again. Unlike certain other products, Lumi is powered by mandelic acid to control odor in a new way. It delivers outrageous 72 hour odor control everywhere one might like to use it. In fact, it was patients' concerns about odor that originally inspired the OBGYN who invented Lumi. Fast forward six years and her game-changing whole body deodorant now has over 300,000 five-star reviews. And it works without using heavy perfumes that mask odor, which I really appreciate. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, which is my favorite, and two free products of your choice, like deodorant wipes or a mini body wash. It also has free shipping. And as a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that's like 40% off their starter pack. 
So use code SHARON at lumideodorant.com. That's L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Mother's Day is almost here. And I want to take just a quick second to appreciate not only my mom, all the moms out there, but anyone who has taken on the role of caregiver. You do everything for someone else. And now it's time to do something for yourself. And that includes starting with your skin. And I've been using our sponsor OneSkins products for a while now. And I have to tell you, I am really enjoying them. They are very easy to incorporate into my skincare routine. I am really liking the eye cream. And the secret is OneSkin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It is the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. And they have several studies to back it up. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code SHARON at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code SHARON. And after your purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support this show and tell them we sent you. Okay. So tell everybody about the bathroom situation because people are fascinated by that. Yeah. People are very fascinated about it, but it's as easy as an incineration toilet. Mm -hmm. And you would not even know the difference. Well, I mean, okay. You would know the difference. You have to put like (laughs) a tea bag in it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like a sheet of paper and it burns your business. It's very clean, very easy. And it runs on electricity or on uh, gas as in what's propane propane exactly mm-hmm. and then it just burns your business and since it's a little bit expensive we've calculated that it's 50 cents per business mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean that could be a lot if you pee as often as i do mm-hmm. so we have a pee toilet and that we before had to empty ourselves so we would pee into a sort of bucket thing right mm-hmm. then you'd walk out with it and you would filter it through a creek that then you know disappears there's a lot of the beautiful flowers and stuff blooming there this year. <laughs> from the buckets? Yes, from this fertilizer from my body. <laughs> and so now that you've remodeled your cabin, are you still using the same system? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> people much. think that like, oh my gosh, you're polluting the water. What? Explain why it's not polluting the water. It's not polluting the water because first of all, it's heavily diluted with water. And then pee is just, I mean, a general fertilizer. And then if you then put it into this creek, it filters through the sand and through the mud and everything. And I mean, we're not throwing human waste in there. The Mm -hmm. business that burns, it becomes a super small amount. And then you just throw that away like you would throw away trash. And that's like every three months. Or you Mm -hmm. can throw it into the nature as well, because it literally is just ashes. That is not a problem. But yeah, so we just make sure that when we throw our pee out, there's nothing in it. I would never put chemicals in. And also Mm -hmm. that would kill everything around our house. And our house has never had this much grass ever. So it's kind of crazy (laughs) to see that we're creating like a park. (laughs) (laughs) We're creating our own pee park. Our own little pee park. So we (laughs) we have a lot of grass around our cabin. But yeah, we just make sure it's heavily diluted with water because I've read up on it. And that could be the only thing. If you would put just a lot of pee, it could be burning or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's completely fine. And it's not like 
massive amounts, you know, we're two people living here. Right. Also, where do you think all of the animals go to the bathroom? Yes. Out in the nature. Outside of the nature, yes. (laughs) And also uh, rock and sand, et cetera, is an extremely effective filter. The cleanest water on earth is filtered through volcanic rocks, et cetera. You know, like rock (laughs) is actually good at that. Yes. Yes. And we, I mean, we'd never throw anything straight into the ocean. And also if we do our dishes or whatever, we've made sure to use those, um, what's it called? The brands that are biodegradable exactly Mm -hmm. because otherwise of course it would be horrible to put just like you know chlorine straight into the ocean or whatever right but we've chosen the right kind of materials and uh, the right uh stuff yeah yeah how do you deal with gray water which is what you're referring to like water from showering or water from dishes how do you yeah we don't have a shower so we shower in the village um so we don't shower at home we also don't have a like a washing machine or anything and now we have a dishwasher which we didn't have before but we just do the same we made sure to buy these uh, machine tablets that you can let out because other than that it's just water Mm -hmm. and it also filters through a creek okay so it's the most important part is the filtering yes and we also have this actually it's called a sand filter so you dig kind of like a hole and you put a lot of sand in it so it filters through that as well Mm. So there's a couple of things we have to do. And you also have to get approved by Susan and to be able to live out here and, you know, for any water to leave your cabin, but it's sure. minuscule amounts. Yeah. Like the island can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> and the, I think the most important thing is that we think about it. It would be bad if we just like mindlessly threw stuff into the ocean, yeah. of course, yeah. we would never do that. <laughs> right. And so to shower and wash your clothes, you go to the gym. Yes, and the laundromat at the gym. No laundromat here, so I just you know call up a friend and I'm like, "Hello, would you like a visit?" (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have one friend that we usually go to, so we try to go like once a week or once every other week, and we just do laundry. It's very easy. I think it might sound complicated, but when you just work up your life and a little bit of a schedule, it just kind of flows. Mm -hmm. Nothing is far here. We're talking like from the gym to go to this friend's house to do laundry, it's about 30 seconds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like on the other side of town. Mm -hmm. Yes, the other side of town is 30 seconds away. It's 30 seconds. (laughs) So everything is very easy up here because you have no distances and people are extremely relaxed. So for me, it's never been a problem to shower in town and not have a shower at home. I just work around it. The view here is worth it. How many people live on Svalbard? Around 2,400 people in Longyearbyen, which is the Norwegian village. Then we have two Russian villages as well. So one is called Barnsburg, which is 60 kilometers west of Longyearbyen, where about 550 people live. And then you have the ghost town of Pyramiden, which is also Russian. It was abandoned in 1998, but now about 10 people live there. You would love this place. Have you deep dived into this? Yes. And I love to comment on one of your videos because I was like, you have not adequately oh, yes. informed me about the plane <laughs> crash. It's crazy. <laughs> there's so many crazy stories here. So there's this Russian coal mining village. Yes. So what is the connection between the plane crash and the abandonment of the village? Yeah, so Pyramiden is a coal mining village where like 1,500 people lived. And Russia made this place to be one of the most amazing places on earth. You know, they built beautiful houses and they had schools and there were kids there. And they really put their soul into making this a great village. Mm -hmm. So they 
had a plane crash though. 141 people who were on board of this plane were all going to Pyramiden because they were workers there. And it crashed into the mountain just close to Longyearbyen. So you can mm. still see the remains of this crash up mm. on the mountain. Mm. So there's still pieces there. I think that and some other factors like the prices of uh, coal were receding and stuff like that set off the fact that they decided to abandon Pyramidum. Mm -hmm. And what's crazy is they kind of left it just as it is. So Mm -hmm. like you can walk into the houses and there will be like newspaper clippings on the walls. There will be skis waiting in the corridor, you know, shoes by the bed. So it is crazy to walk through there. It's just- People just left their stuff. Yeah. It was like, we have to leave. It didn't go overnight, but they were like, yeah, well, I guess we're going. So we're just going to leave everything here. I mean, it's far away as well. And in like 98, they don't have a proper airport. So I guess they were shuttling people out of there. No way to really move your stuff. (laughs) I was going to bring my chest of drawers. That's right. That's right. I cannot get this on the airplane. My skis. (laughs) (laughs) And so the other, the other Russian village that has about 500 people that live there, is that on the same island that you live on or a different one? Yes, it's the same one. So I think everything is on Spitsbergen, which is where we are. So Mm -hmm. Barnesburg is also here. And yeah, when you go there, your phone even welcomes you to Russia. Really? It's crazy. Yeah. So, and they have like their own monetary system and it's completely their own you know, but we always visit, we try to support their community as well, because they don't get as many visitors as Longyearbyen does. It's a really good uh, friendship between the villages, you Mm -hmm. know. Is the only way to get there on snow machines? Yeah, so snowmobile in the winter and then boat in the summer. Like I said, we don't have any roads leading out of Longyearbyen. So like the only way you can get out in the winter is by snowmobile and then summer by boat. Because Mm -hmm. in the summer when there's no snow, you're not allowed to do anything but walk on the tundra. We have a lot of nature rules, which is good because we want to keep like the fauna and the flora beautiful mm-hmm. and pristine, you know, mm-hmm. so you can't bicycle anywhere. You can just walk. So the only way to really explore is by boat in the summer or by snowmobile. And I saw that you guys got a boat this year. We did. That Snuff. is so exciting. Yeah, and what did you mostly want this boat for? Christopher had a boat before, but it was uh, like he called it the cod killer because he only really (laughs) went fishing with it. Mm -hmm. But I really want in the summer to be able to explore and you can't leave really for four months. You don't have a boat. And we felt like, okay, we can definitely like afford this. So let's buy a boat this year. That's a lot bigger that can take us and Grim safely around because Mm -hmm. the weather is absolutely crazy up here. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere else in the world where nature kind of tests you like up here. Mm. So yeah, it's good to have a boat that you trust. And that's also quite big that can, you know, take you around safely. It will be bad some days. <laughs> and so where did you guys go on your boat? Just like around the island? Yeah, yeah. So this weekend we left on Friday and we were gone till Monday. So we just kind of, you know, set sail to, okay, we look at the weather first of all, like where is it going to be okay? Because like I told you, it can be absolutely brutal. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to head to the Tuna Glacier. So that's what we did. So we headed to a place called Bjornahamna. I will post a video about this soon. And I think I got the most beautiful drone footage I've ever gotten because it was mm. absolutely no wind and sunshine and just so Mm, beautiful mm. but so what we do is we just go to a safe place where we can anchor and then we hike and we read books and you know we go see the glacier sometimes I swim Mm. you know we just kind of enjoy the scenery 
Yeah. I think that really is what life is about up here as well. If you're a city person, this probably won't be your kind of place. But if you like mm-hmm. nature, there's so much nature to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really like. Mm-hmm. And unique nature because yeah. you also have your own type of tiny reindeer. Yeah, those small <laughs> barn pigs, as we call them. <laughs> they it's look so like funny. regular reindeer, except shorter legs. Yes. And kind of chunky. Yes, and they are so cute and they are fearless. They'll walk right past you. They don't care at all. And like every time I meet them with Grim, they will stop and they will walk to you. They're like, hi. How are you? How are you doing? Is that one of my kind? You know, <laughs> looking at Grim. Is he one of ours? Is he captive? <laughs> oh my goodness. He's, they're so cute. Yeah, I love them. Hi, friends. It's Sharon. If you enjoyed a recent episode with author and public theologian Isa Makali, then I have the perfect podcast recommendation for you. No Small Endeavor. Produced by Great Feeling Studios and PRX, No Small Endeavor is an acclaimed podcast series that explores what it means to live a good life. Each episode, host and award-winning theologian Lee C. Camp brings you thoughtful conversations with artists, philosophers, politicians, and theologians like Hollywood legend Rob Reiner and civil rights hero Reverend James Lawson about what it means to find true happiness and flourish in our everyday life. So don't miss out. Follow No Small Endeavor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And tell them I sent you. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Being on an island, they have developed into their own type of reindeer yeah. that are found nowhere else. How many Svalbard reindeer do people estimate live there? Oh gosh, I have no idea. I think there's a lot though. 
<laughs> but like, I really, I have no idea how many even. I just know that they like think that there's around 3,000 polar bears here or something. That's the only estimate that I know. But like, when it comes to reindeer, it must be like 20,000 or something or more. <laughs> I have no idea. They are everywhere. And also like hunting on Svalbard is very limited. So if you are a hunter, you can apply to uh, shoot one reindeer a year per person. Mm. Mm. And I kind of like that because it's also a very special type of hunting here because you will have to walk out to your animal. You'll you know, have to do everything out in the nature. Also, you take pieces for research. And I love this. I think this is mm. such an amazing way to kind of incorporate everything into education. Mm -hmm. So anything you hunt here, a specific part of the animal has to go to research. So you go and leave it at the university so they can study it. Interesting. But yes, yeah, isn't it cool? So like if it's a certain type of bird, I know it's one certain part of their wing. Mm -hmm. So you have to bring. And I just like that everything up here is kind of, you know, you think about the whole picture, not just, right. oh, okay, we need some meat, but okay, but then we can bring something for research. So sure. I really like that. It's it's very small part to me. <laughs> <laughs> Drop off the piece of the oh, reindeer the at the university. <laughs> yeah. And so and imagine you have to walk the whole reindeer. Yeah. Okay. It's a different story. <laughs> You, and you're not allowed to bring a sled? No. So you have to bring a couple of friends and backpacks that you can spare. And then you just do everything out in the field. And then you wow. leave parts for the other animals, which is also sure. nice. So you have the sure. food for the foxes, everything that's left, you know? Yeah. Like the entrails, like the intestines and the things you're not going to eat. Exactly. And anything you can't carry, really. So that is so interesting. Is reindeer a popular food there? Definitely. I mean, we have barely anything local. So anything local that we can get, we really try to treasure. So people who are hunters usually do take their one animal because it's going to give you food for the winter, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Everything mm -hmm. else we buy at the store and that's going to be shipped so far. Like me and Christopher, we go and we fish Arctic cod the entire summer. That's what we usually did. Mm -hmm. And that will fill our freezer for, you know, till the next season. And just to mm -hmm. be able to eat something local every week is very valuable when you live you know, mm -hmm. so far away from anything else. Mm -hmm. But we also have like mushrooms and birds. So ptarmigan and goose mm -hmm. people hunt as well. But mm -hmm. reindeer is definitely something that is like a treat, you know, if you get mm. to have one and eat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do they serve reindeer in the restaurants there? Uh, some of them do, yeah. Because mm. we still have trappers, you know, like the whole history of Svalbard is trapping. Like that's how it all kind of started in the beginning. So I, I did a video on this. So I know like the Pomors, which is a, a type of people, they came from the White Sea in Russia and they went up here to hunt. And that's kind of how Svalbard started with all of the different cabins out. And then after that, now we have, I think, two trappers still up here. So they would live in these small huts and they had like extra stations around the island and they would get like 25 reindeer per season or something. And that would be sold to the restaurants. Because otherwise, mm -hmm. what would they be serving if it's not mm -hmm. Svalbard reindeer, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's all very regulated up here. Mm. How long has Svalbard been inhabited? I think that they start like the village in the 1901 or something. Because it was an American that started Longyearbyen. That's why it's called Longyearbyen. His name was John Munro Longyear. And Longyearbyen means Longyear village. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I always thought at the beginning that it is, you know, it's because it's a long year. Mm -hmm. but no, he had a very fitting name. Yeah. 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 So for like, yeah, I think 1905 or something, I can't mm. really remember. But that he started the whole village as a coal mining village. Because we don't have an indigenous population. That's right. 
because people a lot of people are like oh why are you there who like whose land is it but really it isn't anybody's land there's a Svalbard treaty so like 40 different countries signed it so they can be here and do business and then Norway right now has sovereignty over Svalbard so they are governing it but that's why Russia can be here and also have villages and we have different research stations from all around the world here as well we have KSAT, which is the world's largest satellite park. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of stuff on Svalbard that I think affects the rest of the world in like yes. a good way, like NASA doing research here. Even so, people don't really know about us that much. Why are satellites important there? I'm guessing it is because it's a very undisturbed location. Mm-hmm. And we also have, during two and a half months, we have a perfect look at the night sky, you know. Because mm-hmm. they do a lot of aurora research here as well. How how many nights a year do you see auroras in the in the oh wintertime? Gosh. In the wintertime, I mean, anytime the there's a clear day, you know, because it all mm. depends on the solar storm. So that is what the aurora is. I always do like to explain this. I go like Northern Lights for children. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> yes. But it is a solar storm that comes into our atmosphere and that's what creates the light. But I would say that we have, it's really difficult, but all the time, I want to say, you know, it could be in the morning and then none in the evening. It kind of depends on what the weather is like. So anytime you would have cloudy skies, you won't see anything, of course. But any day there's clear skies, the chance is pretty big because mm. now there's still auroras, just that we can't see it because there's right. daylight. Right. So it's just about having the night sky. It's still happening, you know, mm. but I, I mean, it can be for an entire week. It can be every day. And then it can be nothing for a week. And it's also good to know that it's depending on the location as well. I think a lot of people might think that it happens all over the night sky, but it doesn't. It's situational. So like it will be in a location, you know, mm-hmm. it can be above my cabin. So only me can see it and not the village. And it can be the other way around. It's almost like a rainbow where you don't yeah. see the rainbow everywhere. You see the rainbow in that little part of the sky. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. Yes. And the you have to be in the right area. Around. Yes. Very, yeah. And they dance across the sky, you know? And mm-hmm. it can also be a show that's for two seconds or it can be for, you know, two hours. Mm-hmm. It really is so magical. We have auroras here in Minnesota, but not as uh, not as often as you do. We're you're farther north than we are, yeah. and the, so the atmospheric conditions have to be um, more like perfect. Ideal. Yeah, yeah, more perfect for us to see them. But Chris and I saw the Northern Lights on our first date. No way. And yes, and we were like, "It's too perfect. It's too. It's too good. Like it's a movie moment." It is a movie moment. I would take that straight away. It's like, yes, it's a, they're telling you like, go for it. And we did. (laughs) Is the flight from Norway bumpy? To Svalbard. Okay. Any other time of year than polar night, it's completely fine. So it's not bumpy at all. Mm -hmm. If you travel like during the polar night, it's absolute mayhem. I have not been on a normal flight once because the weather is usually so bad. Like our landing strip is extremely short. It's just the one and it's by the ocean. If you go off, you're going into the ocean. And I've had times where we've been on the flight and we're like, can we land? And she's like, I don't know. I don't think so. We're going to see. And we're like literally like 10 minutes from landing. You can hear the captain saying, we're going for it. (laughs) And they just go, boom, and then just like straight. And I love it. I find it very thrilling. Pilots flying here are incredible. 
to land here, you have to go within mountains and you go like sometimes over long year bins, crazy stuff. So see, in my mind, it would be the worst <laughs> pilots no, because who else wants to fly this route? I think um, it's exciting, but I think, think, but it makes me feel better to know that it's the best pilot. Yes. I will say it's the best <laughs> of the best. <laughs> How far of the flight from Norway is it? So if you go from Oslo, it's going to be a direct flight, which is three hours. And then it also sometimes lands in Tromsø, northern Norway, and it might not even tell you. But that flight from Tromsø, northern Norway, is just one hour. But from okay. Oslo, it's three. Three from hours Oslo, is, is fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't... I mean, yeah, we're I mean, far away, so yeah. Yeah. I do love a good winter storm, though, as long as I'm you not too. flying in it. But I do yes. love listening to the wind outside. And I love this, like, well, can't go anywhere. But I also <laughs> find it exciting. I find weather quite exciting. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I like this weather more than if I lived in, like, tornado country. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced a tornado. That terrifies me. Mm-hmm. But winter storms, there's something just cozy and calming about it. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. I know what to expect. Yep. <laughs> Does that yes. make sense? Yeah. yeah, I do. I love a good winter storm. Also a winter storm, even though they can be dangerous when you drive in them, et cetera, in your situation, where are you driving? Nowhere. Yeah. And you just stay home. And to me, you have a very excellent chance of living through the winter storm versus (laughs) a tornado where it truly could destroy everything that you own. It's a different type of feeling. Yeah. That's terrifying. I need to come visit. It just needs to happen. Do. Imagine what what time of year would you come? Would you come winter? Oh, you do love winter though. I do love winter. I feel like November is a month for you because I feel like you should experience polar nights. Because everything else you have, if you have winter in Minnesota, which you do, then you have sunny winter. And that would Mm -hmm. be the same here, except we can snowmobile. I think Mm -hmm. for you, November would be the most like, (gasps) wow. It's like Christmas wonderland here, but like real life. I would enjoy that. I would be into that. The only thing though, is I would want to see the mountains and I would want to see the polar bears and I would want to see the whales. Maybe I need two trips. Maybe I need to come two times. Definitely. I've been stood on our porch looking out at whales, like, you know, 50 meters away. It's been crazy the entire summer. It's amazing. Mm. I need that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> why, why, where are you? Oh, I need whales. I only have this stupid freshwater lake. <laughs> totally whale free. <laughs> so I would assume the whales there, they're migratory and they're there to feed in the summertime and they migrate to warmer so, yeah. weather in the winter. Mm-hmm. The thing is like, we don't like, you couldn't see the whales in the winter. If there you, there. you go. That's exactly what I was going to say. I wouldn't know if they're here in the winter, <laughs> That's right. but That's I right. think, yes, they are migratory. Like in the summer, we have so many animals visiting us, like all of the birds, they of course mm-hmm. leave this time of year. It, it's an overload of everything Mm -hmm. and everybody's having babies all the animals Mm -hmm. so that's also so cute to see I've been watching all these reindeer babies pop up everywhere and they're cuter than you could imagine they look like little lambs but chunky and with their like chunky legs oh I love it summer is a beautiful time just because of all of the new baby animals and the whales and it is Mm. now we just the midnight sun is okay well (laughs) we'll put it okay (laughs) what kind of whales do you get there a lot of beluga whales. And then we have had a lot of fin whales and humpbacks and blue whales. Mm. We don't get that many orcas. Apparently, this is a little bit too far north. They don't generally hang out here. They do show up. I think a pod showed up this summer. Mm-hmm. But like they usually go to not further than like northern Norway because there's tons there. Mm-hmm. But definitely I've seen the most fin whales and beluga whales mm. this summer. Mm. And like we're talking a pod of like 60 whales. 
So yeah, they're huge. And they just come into this quite small fjord Mm -hmm. and they can go all the way into Longyearbyen. So they will like be laying around there, you know, just like (laughs) fearless is everything Mm because nobody really fears us. You know, they're Mm -hmm. like, who are these people? And I know you have a lot of walrus. Yeah. I I think I love them the most. (laughs) They're so grumpy. They're so grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) I love your drone footage of walruses on the ice flows, just where they're just like, feels so good in the sunshine or like a mama and her baby on a piece of ice, just chilling. That's when you really know you're like in the Arctic, you know, Mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere, suddenly comes an ice float with two super heavy polar bears. So walrus is on it and they're just dead asleep. You know, they slept there for hours. (laughs) Completely didn't care. Floating along with her little baby. Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's crazy. I mean, we legitimately could talk for another three hours. I'm just going to have to bring you back because (laughs) I know people have more questions. They want to know more things about things like schools, churches, government like they want to know universities yeah. they want to know yeah, there's that. So, we'll, so much <laughs> we'll have to have another episode we talked a lot about wildlife and whatnot on this one but we will talk again yeah. in the future about yeah. some more of the other details and thank you so much for having me uh, so oh, wait, exciting i love that you have a podcast thank you so much for coming Thank you so much for listening to the Sharon Says So podcast. I am truly grateful for you. And I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast or maybe leave me a rating or a review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All of those things help podcasters out so much. I cannot wait to have another mind blown moment with you next episode. Thanks again for listening to the Sharon Says So podcast.